morning, Connection Church. We're so excited to be with you this morning, so excited to, to be worshiping in this new normal we have here. Uh, we're just so excited to be connected wherever you are, uh, in your homes, in your cars, wherever that may be, we are still together worshiping the one true God. We're worshiping the God who is before us, who is uh, always working on our behalf, the God who is in all things, the God who is above all things, and the God who is before all things. And we just get to gather together in this new way and just lift our praises to him. And I'm so excited about that. We're so blessed as a church to be able to do that. And, and so excited about what God's been doing in our church through this new season that we all find ourselves in. And, and so we're blessed to, to be in this place. And we don't have very many answers for what's going on with COVID-19. We don't know what's going on, how long it's going to take, how long we're going to, to see this extended normal last. And, and so we're, we're looking to that and, and trying to figure it all out and trying to find answers. And, and yet we may not have them. We may not ever see the answers we want to see, but we're still able to connect. We're still able to enjoy fellowship with one another. It looks a little different, but nothing's changed. Our mission is still the same. We are still a church dedicated to connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus, and, and there are ways to do it, and we're so excited about it. We've seen the evidence of it this week. Our connect groups are still meeting through technology. We have Zoom and Skype and all these other ways to stay connected. We still have that relational thing that we need. Uh, we know that our small groups are where real life transformation is happening. And, and nothing's changed about that except that we can't always meet in face to face because we want to abide by the rules that have been laid out because the social distancing is important. We want to we uh, adhere to what authority is saying because they're trying their best to, to knock the curve down. But we want to be a part of, of helping in that way. But that hasn't stopped us. Our discipleship, our accountability, they're still available. There's still a safe place for us to share our fears, share anxieties, and, and celebrate Jesus and find that fullness of joy that, that is only in Him as we walk together in this new landscape. And that's exciting that we still have these opportunities. You know, this is something that, that you've been interested in or you've seen that. We have opportunities. We have ways to connect. Just uh, look in the comment section. There's going to be something down there for you. Um, but that's not the only thing that's happening. We have our, our Connection Kids team. They are pouring out information and opportunities. They're, they're laying things out for us to, to embrace family worship, to spend time with our children, to, to minister to them because that is our first ministry and, and we're excited to see those things. We have a midweek devotion on Wednesdays is happening at six o'clock. Those things have been important and been incredible for, for just picking us up at that midpoint in the week as, as we still try to figure out what our week's even going to look like. And, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have guided prayers that are moments of, of encouragement, moments of meditation, of just being able to get along, get into a quiet space and just pray together and just hear God's word and let us be encouraged by it. So there's so many things. And, and the other thing that's happening, if you haven't tuned into Instagram and checked out our Connection students, I would encourage you to go and see what our student pastors are doing. They are doing some great things to encourage our students in ministry. And, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing in this place and, and how we're using technology to, to bridge the gap between that missing thing that is us just gathering together. And, and so we're, we're excited to be in this new sermon series that we started last week, uh, 
you know, the faith over fear and, and how we respond in that moment. And that is the question we're asking as a church. How do we respond to crisis? How do we step into this place knowing what's out there, knowing what the world is throwing at us? How do we respond as a church? How do we respond individually? And how do we respond corporately to what we see out there, the trials, the tribulations that are going on and, and all of the fear that are mounted because of those things? How do we face that together as a church? And how do we allow our faith to overcome our fear and step into that place and be what God has called us to be. And so we're excited to continue in that series this week. And so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get started. Father God, Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you for what you have done, God. You are, you are evident in these times. There are things that are happening. There are tragedies. There, there are fears that are anxieties. There are things that are just going on in this place, things we do not have questions or answers for, but you know the answers, God. We can ask all the questions in the world and may never get the answers, but we know the one who has all the answers. We know the one who is sovereign. We know the one who provides, the one who gives, uh, the one who loves us in spite of what we see, God. We know the one who, like we talked about last week, calms the storms. And so, Lord, we just want to lean into that this morning. We want to lean into you as the questions begin to build, as the fears and anxieties are are, are, uh, evident in some lives and in some hearts, God. We want to lean into you and we just pray for the, the joy and the fullness of joy that is found in Christ Jesus. We want our hearts to be overwhelmed by your love and your presence, God. We want to experience you today right where we are in every home and every, every opportunity that we have, God. We just want to see you as we connect together and we look to you for everything, God. And we know that you will supply every need, God. We know you will supply every need according to your riches and glory. And we pray most of all that in all of this, you receive the glory because you are the only one that is worthy, God. And so we just lift our praises to you this morning. We lift our hearts to you. God, we're just praying that that we are fertile ground for what you are trying to show us in this season, Lord. And Lord, we are just praying together that we can just stay connected through your word, through prayer, through the name of Jesus Christ. Let us just be aware of how we are bound together under that name. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything. And we ask you to just be with us this morning as we look into your word and just experience the hope that comes through Scripture. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're excited about about looking at at what we're going to have in the future, but how in the world are we going to know what that is? How are we going to know what, what the future is going to hold? And how are we going to look at that and not have some type of anxiety, not have some type of fear that, that comes without having all these questions? We've said it time and time and time again. you know. And, and so what do we do? How do we respond? How do we turn to Scripture and see? How do we rejoice always in all things, as we talked about last week? And, and I know one of the things that, that's happening, one of the things that, that at least I'm experiencing is, is I, I'm missing people. I am missing people, and I know I'm not the only one in that. There are people that, that are so special to me. There are people that, that I love just being in their presence because they're infectious. It's almost contagious just being around them. And I know it's not the best time to use that word, but it, it just happens, right? You're just around somebody, and there's a joy in them, and it's like you catch that joy. You're around them, and there's an excitement. It's like all of a sudden you're excited. It's what happens when we're around each other and we're in the presence of one another, and, and that's what happens in community. And so that's where I want to spend our time this morning is understanding that we still have a need for community. 
And that maybe that's where some of that fear is. Maybe that's where some of that anxiety is coming from because we, we are losing contact, that presence with one another like we used to have. It's not as available as it used to be. Yes, we can meet in small gatherings and those are great, but we still need to be cautious. We need to be safe. We need to make sure we're aware of how other people feel about these moments. And, and so we want to always step into those moments understanding that, that people are standing on both sides of this. Some are running into it and just not worrying about it and others are, are standing there going, look, I need to keep my distance and fear. And all of that is okay because none of us know. None of us have ever been in this place. None of us have ever been in, in this type of atmosphere where we really don't know what it looks like. And so as we have this longing, this thing that's missing and we're trying to put our finger on it, it's easy to see that, that we're just missing that presence. We're missing that connection with other people. And so how do we look at this as opportunity? How do we look at this space as, as something that, that can be an opportunity for us as individuals? How can it be an opportunity for us as, as the church as we look and understand and know that we were built for relationship? That is one thing we know. We can look in Genesis and we can spend a sermon series talking about Genesis and, and how we can see in Genesis that we were built for relationship. We were built for community. And it's easy to just break all this down. But just the, the one quick thing is, is that we see that we are, are built for relationship because we were created out of the overflow of relationship. We see that in the Godhead as, the, as God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present in creation, each having a role, each having a, 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 a role that, that is there and present in creation we see what's going on. We see perfect harmony. We see perfect unity. We see perfect diversity. And then we see it all come together when man is created. As they say, let us make man in our image. Perfect harmony. Not let us make man in the image of God and the Son because the Holy Spirit, you're a little sketchy and we're not really sure what you're going to do. So no, it's perfect unity. Because he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And so as creation unfolds and man is created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, in the unity of God, everything is good. And when he looks at man created out of the overflow of that relationship, he says, it's very good. But the only time we see that it's not good is when God looks at man and he looks at all of creation and he looks at everything that has been created. And from a relational perspective, with everything that's in the world that's just been created, he looks and he sees that there's nothing for man that will be there to, to support the relationship that's needed. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so it creates a helper fit for him. And so just in those little verses, we can understand that, that we are created for relationship out of the overflow of relationship, out of the overflow of the perfect peace and love and compassion and working together that happens in the relationship. Out of the overflow of that, we were created. And so when we look at our lives, it's easy to understand that's going to be the foundation for everything else. Our relationship with God, which looks a little different than our relationship with everyone else. That relationship is a relationship of, of creator and creation. As a loving father looking at his child, it, it resembles that idea. But our relationship with, uh, with others 
is a little different. We're not the same as God, and we're never going to be the same as God. And so that relationship is defined as creation and creator. But when we look at our relationship with others, we understand that, that we are like them in many ways because we all experience this world together. And so it's important to understand that, that we really are built for relationship and community. We were built and designed to go out and multiply and to create more that looked like what was created in that moment. And so the only place that we're really truly going to thrive is in relationship. We, our relationship, it, it overflows from our relationship with God. And so when that relationship is thriving, our relationship with other people is thriving. And so we have to have this place. We have to be together. We have to be in community. We have to be in the presence of one another if we're really, truly ever going to thrive. The truth is we're safer together. And so it's easy to fall into what this world is saying, that, that we don't need community. We don't need other people. That's not what the world used to say. The world was different years back because we understood the value of community. We understood the value of family. And so you would have communities that were built and everyone knew each other's names. They knew the children. They, they let their kids run and play because they knew the other families would look out for them. They didn't have to watch them moment by moment because they understood and trusted that everybody was in this thing together. And so it was a safe place. A community was a safe place for children to be raised. You had homes that were full of generations of family. And when the children were raised, they didn't move far away. They stayed close to home and they stayed within that community. And they understood the value of that and, and knowing one another's names. But now we're being told that, that the world is a place where we go in independence. We've created this individualistic culture that we don't need anyone. We go out on our own. We stake our claim. We, we make our way in the world and we go the way that we choose and set our own path and we go and get whatever we need to do to accomplish the success that we deserve. It's all about us. Now children, they, they move away and they move far from the home and, and they're away from the people that, that love them. They're away from the people that raise them. And the, and the strongest relationships that we wind up having generally are the ones that, that are in our workplace. And those are good places to have relationships, but most of the time there's no depth. They're shallow. They're, they're just surface level relationships. But that's, that basically is what we're using to supplement this need for relationship that's buried deep down in us. And the church used to be a place for community. The church used to be a place for family, a place where, where we came in and we were united together. But over time, that's drifted away too. And now the relationships in many churches are no different than the ones that are in our workplace. The relationships are just as shallow. There's no depth. There's, there's nothing there that, that holds us and, and keeps us accountable. There's nothing there that allows us to experience love and, and, and just being in the presence of someone who truly cares about me. Because the fear is now people might actually get to know me. And then they would take advantage of that. If they really knew the true me, if they really knew what was, what was inside, if they really know, knew what was going on, they wouldn't care about me anymore. They wouldn't want to be around me anymore. And these are all lies that come with this world and being told that, that being on your own is okay. That is the fertile place for the enemy to come in and attack. When we are isolated, when we are separated from what God's called us into, that is the place where we suffer the most. And so as we look at what's going on in this world, we're being pulled from the presence of people. 
We're being pulled from, from being able to interact with people in the way we used to. This word escapism is floating around, and it's becoming a hot word because now there's no sports. Now there's no restaurants. Now there are no movie theaters. There's no bowling alleys. There's no place to escape to and supplement what, what's going on, that, that thing that we know is within us that calls to relationship, that calls to community. And so with all those things being removed, now we're faced with this reality. We're faced with this truth of what do we do? How do we escape? How do we get away from this thing that, that's calling us, this thing that's in us that we can't seem to figure out how to put a finger on, but we know is there. We can't escape to a movie theater now. We can't escape to sports and, and turn on the TV and just get sucked into to watching the, the football team play. What do we do when we're faced with that? Because with that reality, there comes fear. Because now I may have to face a relationship. Now I may have to face something that, that's a truth that I've been trying to avoid, a, a truth that's been nagging at me, but I've used busyness to keep it away. So what if all of this is an opportunity? What if this is an opportunity to understand what, what that really looks like to find true, authentic community, to find the deep relationships that come in those places? And most of all, what if this is an opportunity to really see that is where we see God's love? That is where we see God's love at its finest, at its purest. That is where we experience God in a way that, that we can at a football game, that we can at a bowling alley, that we can at a restaurant all the time. How do we embrace this opportunity and understand that, that we get to experience God's love in relationship and His perfect love that comes from a deep relationship that's found in community, that perfect love casts out all fear because fear comes from punishment. Afraid that I'm going to, to get something that, that's owed to me. I'm going to, to be punished through either losing someone or, or heartbreak or allowing somebody in and they, they take advantage of what I give them and my vulnerabilities and my transparencies. And that creates fear. But we're faced with what do we do in this moment when it, we don't have the escape, we don't have the opportunity to go. All we have is the reality that's faced in front of us. And it's a powerful reality. It's a powerful reality. It's a, it's a hard reality. But what do we do? Here's what Paul Tripp says in a book that he wrote called Whiter Than Snow, Meditations on Sin and Mercy. It says, we weren't created to be independent, autonomous, or self-sufficient. We were made to live in a humble, worshipful, and loving dependency upon God and in a loving and humble interdependency with others. Our lives were designed to be community projects. Yet the foolishness of sin tells us that we have all we need within ourselves. So we settle for relationships that never go beneath the casual. We defend ourselves when the people around us point out a weakness or a wrong. We hold our struggles within, never taking advantage of the resources God has given us. God has given us so many resources. He has given us a relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. He's given us prayer as a, as a powerful opportunity to communicate with God. We, we have God living in us. We have His Word. We have, we have all that we can ask answered through this. But have we ever thought about people as God's resource? 
as God's resource for, for us, as God's resource for, for helping us to grow in him, do we look at people and understand that, that they are a resource to be valued? That the relationship that comes from being together with one another, that that's good for us. And the truth is, some of us have known this for a long time because they've been alone. They've been alone even when they've been surrounded by people and they felt it. But fear has kept them from seeing the resource that's all around them. Having all of these people that, that could pour in, that could love. But the fear that what if they know the real me overwhelms any opportunity to access the resource that God has given us to see him. And so I have four points and we're going to start in 1 John 4, 7 through 8. And you can turn there and I'll give you just a moment. But I want to start with this first point. Love is an indicator of our first relationship. Our relationship with God. And so let's read together. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, in this moment, the natural reaction is to worry about yourself. What are we going to do? How are we going to, to make the ends meet? I, I read a report there are 14 million people who were laid off and are going to be furloughed and, and some jobs were lost. I, we have people who are losing loved ones. We have people who are overwhelmed with how it's going to look if they get sick. And, and we have all of these things that, uh, that we have to worry about. What about our children? What about our, our parents? What about our grandparents? And they're all valid fears. There are things to be concerned with. There are, there are things that, that we need to be aware of. But what do we do after that? Because the natural reaction should be, is my family okay? Are the people around me taken care of? That's my first ministry anyways. Are my children going to be okay? Are my parents going to be okay? Are the ones that I love, are they going to be okay? That's a normal, natural reaction. But the next question is, what do we do after that? Where do we go from that moment? Where do we go after we make sure that God has taken care of our first ministry, that we've given them to him and we've trusted in him in all things and know that he loves them more than we do. And in that, we can settle our hearts. We can settle our fears. We can, we can rejoice in this moment because we know whatever happens, it's not outside of God's will. We know that God is in control of those moments. And, and so we know that, that that's taken care of. And then what do we do? What do I do after I've given my family to God? If there's no love and concern for other people past that, then it has to bring in the question, where am I at in my relationship with God? How can I be in a relationship with a God that is a God of love and not love others? How can I look at the world and, and know what's happening and know that people are losing their jobs, know that, that people are, that have been living paycheck to paycheck don't know what that's going to look like next week or, or three weeks or, or eight weeks from now? Some jobs are being lost for good. The paychecks aren't coming. How do we look into that? How do we look out our window and see opportunity? Or am I just looking out the window blinded by my own fear and going, yeah, but God, I need to make sure I'm okay. 
I know you said that you have me. I know that you said that, that I am yours. I know that you said you love me. And because of that, I don't have to fear. But still, God, I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I need you to make sure this is okay. And I never move past myself and my family and the ones and all of my prayers, all the things that, that should be flowing towards him with the thought of others are only an errand list for him to accomplish for me. Serve me, God. Take care of me, God. And then if there's time, we'll think about the other people. That's not what God has called us to. That's not, that's not the evidence of a right relationship with God. The first thing, no matter where I am, I don't have to be anywhere in particular. I can get down on my face and I can pray for the people around me. I can lift them up to the God that I know loves them. The God that I know loves them as much as he loves my family. The God that I trust to take care of my family. I can lift them up and pray for his presence to be evident in their lives. For his comfort to be evident, to overwhelm. For his love to minister to their hearts. And for them to feel the arms of the Father wrapped around them in what feels like the most devastating moment in their lives. Am I even considering the people out there? families that are struggling, children that are struggling, homeless population that, that no one may be worried about in certain areas, countries that are having to decide who lives and dies because they don't have the infrastructure in the hospitals to support that. People are hurting, they're suffering. Am I even considering that? If my relationship is right with God, if I'm experiencing his love, if I'm seeing him move through scripture and, and I, I'm weighing my life against that, then I'm trusting in him. My next step immediately should be to look at others. What can I do for others? Where can I be for others? How can I be what you've called me to be even in a moment where I can't be present with them? Is there a way I can support him? Is there, is there an opportunity for me to serve? Are we even asking God for that? God, how can I be what you've called me to be in this place? Give me an opportunity to serve someone. Give me an opportunity to love on someone. Give me an opportunity to trust you and give to someone who may be in need because I know you have me, but I want them to see you. I want them to see your love and, and feel your love. But if my relationship is not what it should be in him, then there's never going to be a moment like that because my relationship is going to be dependent on what he's given me instead of really understanding that he's a God of love. And if I'm experiencing his love, then I can trust in that love and I can lean into that love and then I can let that love overflow onto everyone around me, including the ones that are in that room my family, my friends, my, my roommates, my neighbors. I can allow God's love to overflow from me into, him, into others. But if I don't have that relationship, if I don't see God's love, then I'll never be God's love. And like the scripture says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I want to know that God of love. I want to experience that God of love over and over and over again. And he gives us opportunities. And so I want to focus on that. And I want to examine my life and look and see, am I loving others? And if not, then maybe this is an opportunity to get my relationship back in line with God the way it should be. Maybe this is an opportunity to get back in line with him.
so that I can love well because I'm being loved well by my heavenly Father. The next point is we see God in our love for one another. Just a little bit farther down in 1 John 4, 12, it says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So what does that mean? What does that mean that, that God's love is made complete in us even though no one's ever seen him? We have this invisible God that, that we know that we've experienced. Many of us have experienced that, that life, transfer, life transformation that happens in Christ. And so we, we don't have to see a visible God all the time because we know we've experienced it. Our lives have been radically transformed. But how are the others of us going to be reminded? Because we're forgetful, right? We forget that sometimes. How are we going to see this God and be reminded of this God that's invisible, it's in our love for one another. The wind is invisible, right? But we can see its effects as it blows through the trees. We can feel its effects as it cools our skin on a hot day. Gravity, it's invisible. But we can see its effects by throwing a ball in the air. And we can feel its effects if we just jump off a porch. And it's for the God that's invisible we can see the effects of God in a man that's life has been transformed by the blood of Jesus. His heart is no longer hard like it used to be. He's compassionate. He's thinking of others before himself. He's putting everyone else before himself. He's loving well. A man that used to be selfish, a man that used to be focused on his own heart, his own hard heart. And now he's pouring himself out for everyone. We can see the invisible God as this man loves because he's been loved by God. We can get a hope that comes in that. We can, we can feel a, a comfort that if that can happen for him, then maybe there's hope for me. We can feel the effects of it through his love as he, as he pours himself out, as he, as he loves, as he sacrifices. We can feel the effects of that. And so we get to see an invisible God through the effects he has on a man. And we can feel the invisible God through his love and loving one another. And as much as many of us would say we don't need others, we do. We need the authentic community. We need relationships. There are gifts that each one of us have that is vital to the body. You have a gift. You have something that God has given you no matter what you think about yourself. You have a gift that the body of Christ needs. We look at that in 1 Corinthians 12 and it addresses two common beliefs that people have. The first one is, I don't need you. The second one is, you don't need me. And both of those are lies from the enemy. And 1 Corinthians 12, it dives into that and it unpacks that. And we don't have time to go into that, but I would, I would tell you at some point to go back and look at that today. But I want you to hear this. Basil, uh, an early church father, said this. He said, when we live our lives in isolation, what we have is unavailable. And what we lack is unprocurable. And so each of us has been given a gift that God wants to use for the kingdom, for others to see him in a gift that will come with love. It will be uh, it will be filtered through love as we use that gift, as we sacrifice and, and pour ourselves out and and we tap into that gift that God has given us and we're operating within it. 
There's a joy that overflows. There's a love that overflows. There's just a fullness, a satisfaction that that overflows. And and people experience that. They feel it. and, And they're better for it. But when we follow this world and live independently, others are poorer for it. And that's what he's saying here. When we live our lives in isolation, what we have, that gift that God has given us, we, we keep it from others. And they're poorer because of it. And on the flip side of that, that gift that they have, that gift that's essential to the body, that's essential to me, that, that I will flourish if I experience that gift that, that God has given them when, when they are operating in it with joy and, and satisfaction and, and the overwhelming love that they can only find in Christ. When they are operating in that and I experience that, I am better for it. The things that I could not procure if they were not around me, if I was not in relationship with them. And so if you hear anything today, there is something that you have that God wants to use, that he wants to show his love in, that he wants to bring hope through, that he wants people to find his joy in. And when you hold that, when you isolate and you keep that to yourself because of fear, the body is poorer for it. And so I pray that if anything happens, our eyes are open to this. C.S. Lewis says that, that we are one vast need, all of us, one vast need. And yet we spend much of our lives denying this vast need and we're helped along by a culture that blinds us and tells us you don't need anybody else. You can do it on your own. Everything you need, you have. And so is this an opportunity? Is this an opportunity to realize that, that we are separated and we we are separate from the gifts and and we can feel the weight of that and and feel that, hey, I want to be around people so that that thing that they have, I can benefit from it. That thing that, that I have, they can benefit from it. And all of that is of God and not of us. That are only the gifts that he can give, not something that we can acquire. And just being reminded of that in this moment, it's an opportunity for us as we face the future and know that at some point we're going to be together again. And so right now it's easy to feel that God is distant from us. But we can see him in the love of those around us, in their gifts, coming through in the relationship. We can see God's love in how we think of others before ourselves. Let's take that opportunity. Let's get creative. How can we do that in a way that that fits into this world? And maybe there's another opportunity. Maybe we can see it and we can see God in the love of a parent for a child because that reflects God's love for his children. And that may not be a great illustration for some because their father was never a safe, loving place. But maybe this is an opportunity to break that cycle. Maybe this is that moment to change that. Maybe this is that time to to experience the loving relationship of the family and, and for children to see God through their father and to know that God is a loving father, that he is a place of safety, that he is a place of refuge, that he is a protector. Or maybe we get to see the love of a husband and his wife. That we get the picture of Christ's love for his bride and the church and the church's love for the bridegroom and the excitement and the anticipation as we wait for his return. If this time is anything for some people, 
Maybe it's an opportunity to get the one or get to know the one that we may have lived with for years. But maybe they feel like a stranger. I heard a guy talking the other day and he said, you know what? It turns out me and my wife actually get along. But they never would have known that if they weren't in a place together. And he was excited about it. And the busyness of life and the escapism that's out there for him, we get along. Who would have thought? So maybe this is some time for us to work on some things that we've been trying to get to. Maybe we've just been telling ourselves and convincing ourselves that sooner or later I'm, I'm going to pour into this relationship. Maybe sooner or later I'm, I'm going to get to the things that I need to get to to kind of start bridging the, the gap and rebuilding the, the things that have been destroyed in this space. Maybe this is an opportunity for us to just be together and minister to our families and love our wives and love our husbands and love our children and love our family the way that God has called us to because we're not distracted. We don't have every opportunity to escape anymore. And so we get the opportunity to come together. Maybe we get the chance to to rebuild. And that's scary. That's a place of fear because now we're going to have to face some things. And it's going to need grace. It's going to need compassion. It's going to need forgiveness. It's going to need love and understanding. There's going to have to be mercies. Where do we find all these things? We find them in our relationship with God. And so if we're focusing on that, there is opportunity here. Push into God and let him overwhelm you with all of those things so that we can rebuild those relationships that we've let slide this whole time. We're not distracted anymore. We're not busy as much as we were. There are opportunities here. Yes, there will be fears. Yes, there will be things. We may not know what the next thing is going to hold, but we can do it together as a family. We can love our children because they may be fearful in this moment. And it may be hard to step into that space because we're fearful in this moment because we don't have the answers. But what if this is an opportunity to that, for that? What if this is an opportunity to push into that? But we have to understand this is we're messing with people and people are messy. People get hurt. These things happen. Conflicts arise. But God has called us to reconciliation. That has to be something that's on the forefront of everything. If we're talking about relationships and we're talking about communities, there's no way we can talk about those things without reconciliation because we're going to need them. We're going to need it from time to time because it is going to get messy. There are going to be things where where we offend and don't intend to, or we're going to have these moments where we get offended and maybe the person. There's going to have to be reconciliation if we're going to stand on the relationships that we're called to. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18, it says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If we are in relationship with Christ, we have been reconciled to God through him. And so we know what we need to know about it. We may not have all the answers, but we know that Christ is the one that reconciles. We know that that God has given us that ministry. We know that that's something we're called into. And so if we do anything in these moments, let's push into that. And if maybe there's somebody you can't get to right now, there will come a time God will make a way and he will make a place. And let's not miss the opportunity to reconcile those relationships that need to be repaired and restored so that God can be glorified in them. And we can be what he's called us to be. And the world can see the love that that it's supposed to see in family and in the relationships we have with one another. My third point. We need each other to be motivated to love and good deeds by loving good deeds through the gathering. 
Michael talked about Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 last week. And he said, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And in some translations, that word is stimulate or motivate. And so as we look at this time, how do we motivate one another to love and good deeds? We do it by our love and good deeds. When someone experiences the love and compassion of Christ through one through another, it does something. When people witness the sacrificial love, it brings hope. It motivates. Right now, it's easy to feel that God is distant from us. So how do we see him? How do we see him? We see him in the in the gifts coming through relationships. We see them in God's love when we think of others before ourselves. We see them as our connect groups and the people in our connect groups are going to the store and reaching out and saying, hey, I'm at Walmart. Do you need anything? We see that as our our groups are binding together and writing letters to, to seniors who are in care centers who are isolated just to tell them we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. We see that as as people give to to ministries and opportunities that that people are trying to reach those who are suffering right now. We see that in the way we serve and and the way we wave at our neighbors. There are opportunities. You can just go stand by the road right now and just say hey to all your neighbors because they're in the streets where they used to not be. There are opportunities for us to, to be what we're called to be and to love. There are deeds that are out there that are available to us. Maybe we're sharing scripture every morning with a group of people. Maybe we're calling and checking on one another. Man, we got FaceTime. We got Google Duo. We have all these opportunities where maybe we're not in the presence of one another, but we can still show someone our concern for them. We can show them our love for them. We can call them and ask them, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Or can I pray for you? But I'm not going to pray with you when I get, I want to pray now. Let's pray together. Let's, Let's experience God in this moment together. And then I'm going to put you on my prayer list and I'm going to pray for you every day. And then I'm going to call you back and I'm going to check up on you. Our love and good deeds motivate others to love and good deeds. And the thing is, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And so we actually have the opportunity to be the church we see in Acts 2. There are going to be people who are suffering, families that are going to suffer. There are going to be things that happen. We're going to have that chance to be the church that we see in Acts 2 to have everything in common because we have everything in common right now. To share what we have, to sell what we need, to give to those who are in need, to be what he's called us to be in those moments. We get a chance to be what the world has called us to be and to show the world that the church is not a building. It's a body of believers. And with Christ at the head, And being the perfect example of a loving servant. We can follow that example and we can show the world that it's not about a building. It's about a body of people loving one another, being in deep relationship, being in community with one another and doing what God has called us to that. And because of that, we thrive together. And so I pray that that that's an opportunity for us. And in the last verses, I, I hope that this opportunity creates a longing for the church again. Not the building, the body. 
The building's the place where we gather. It's a place where we meet together. It's a place where we come together. But it's the body of believers. It's, it's the big church united together. And in that moment when we are bound, when we are together in one place, we get to experience the graces of the church that we're missing right now. We get to have communion with one another. We get to see salvations. We're present when somebody raises their hand or, or confesses with their, their mouth that they believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we get to celebrate with them. We get to see baptisms. We can worship together corporately and just feel how the Holy Spirit moves as we sing praises to Jesus all together. And so I pray that we're longing for community. Even those of us that don't really think we need it, we realize we need it. And I pray this does two things, that we run to the church when we get the chance to gather together again. And two, that we don't take it for granted. That we understand the deep relationships and authentic community that happens when we are fully embracing it and motivating one another in love and our good deeds as we wait for that glorious day that we know is approaching. So this brings me to the last point. We need the accountability that comes from love and holiness through deep relationships and authentic community. Hebrews 12, 14 through 17 says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessings with tears, he could not change what he had done. And so this is a, an opportunity. It's an opportunity to help us fight against the sin, the laziness, the complacency, the temporary satisfaction of, over eternal rewards. In our midweek devotion, Michael talked about that. As we looked at David and, and what his laziness and, and his selfish temporal desires created. How the complacency of just being where he was kept him from where he should have been. And because of that, his sin took him to a place where he didn't want to go. And it took him farther than he ever thought he would have gone. And it cost him more than he ever would have wanted to give up. And so without holiness, without, without the people around operating through relationship, loving one another well, the good deeds out of the love that we've experienced in Christ, they create that, that thing that, that we can weigh ourselves against and go, okay, maybe I'm deficient here, but this brings me hope. Yes, that hurts to point out our deficiencies. When, when we see other things and we feel like we're, we're incapable, we feel like we're not uh, in a place where we can do that, those are all lies from the enemy. That's exactly what he wants us to believe, that I'll never be this person. I'll never be this person. Man, do you see how well they serve? Do you see how well they speak? I'll never be this person. That's a lie from the enemy. That's what he wants us to believe. But without holiness, and the holiness that comes from the righteousness of Christ. I want to be clear on that. It's not a holiness that, that we have on our own. The deeds are not what make the holiness. The holiness is the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed into us. 
And so it's that place that, that we see that, that it pushes us on and, and it pushes us to fight against laziness and complacency. When I'm motivated by the good deeds of others, when, when I see people doing all these things, I'm like, hey, I want to be a part of that. When I see families flourishing because they're getting together and they're worshiping, even when they don't know how. I want to be a part of that. When I see that, it pushes me on. I want to experience that love that I'm seeing in other people. I want to see what this righteousness of Christ thing looks like. It helps me to fight against all of these things because my natural reaction is to be like Esau. I want to be I want to be satisfied with the temporal. This is an opportunity to rest. This is an opportunity to just not do anything. I can go out in the yard and I can hide and I don't have to worry about anything. I don't want to be like Esau, but I, I, that's my first fleshly natural reaction. And look at what he did. What did he say? He sold his his blessing, his internal blessing for a meal because he said, I'm starving. I'm about to die. What will this profit me? This blessing, this inheritance, what is this going to profit me? I want to be in this moment and I want to do things that lead to the eternal. I want to do things that that push me towards Christ. I want to do things that expand the kingdom. I want to be focused on heavenly things. I want to be found in Christ when He returns. And I don't want to be in a place to where I'm looking going, I wish I would have changed those things. I wish I could have done it different. I wish I wouldn't have missed this opportunity. I wish I would not have let that pass me by. I was right there around people that I could have loved. I could have been loved. I could have let them experience my gifts. I could have experienced their gifts. There were people in my home that I could have reconciled with and I missed it because I just wanted to go get on the couch. I don't want to miss these moments. This is opportunity, church, for us to be the body of Christ, for us to realize the power of community, for us to see the love of God through one another. And we don't have to be in each other's presence. But oh, what a day when we will be. When we get to rejoice together again. Just like what we talked about last week. Michael was looking at Philippians and he said, rejoice in everything Always, I say again, rejoice. It's hard to rejoice when you're not with someone. When good news happens, I celebrate, yeah. But the first thing I want to do is call my wife. I want to share it with others. I want them to know this good thing that happened. I want to rejoice together with people. And church, this too will pass. And we will get to be together again. And I pray that we never take it for granted the blessing of what God is doing in the church body. The buildings are great, but it's the body. It's the deep relationships. It's the accountability. It's the transparency, the vulnerability. It's the realness of doing life together and being willing to go, I'm not okay, but I know you love me enough to hear that and not judge me for it, to welcome me where I am, to see me in my mess, And I'm going to lay it on the table and I'm going to quit giving the enemy the power of that because I'm trying to keep it, keep that struggle within like what Paul Tripp was talking about. That, That power of being together and just being transparent and just being loved and not feeling like I have to be something to be embraced by these people because we all know the truth. 
We are all sinners saved by grace. We have all bankrupt apart from Christ. But we share in a common hope. We share in a, a, a common joy, a common peace, a common love, a common forgiveness, a common freedom that can only be found in the cross of Christ. And so we welcome all that are willing to come because that's what Jesus did. He welcomed all who were willing, all who wanted to come in. And he still is doing that today. So C.S. Lewis describes a saving faith as this moment when we come to the end of ourselves. When we finally exhausted every option, when we've done everything that we can do and we realize that we have nothing to gain from ourselves and rely on our own power. And in that moment, we realize that our only chance is Christ Jesus. Where we've been walking down this road, trying to make our own way like the world tells us, lighting our own path, doing our own thing, trying to gain our own successes, and we realize it's a dead end. If this thing is doing anything, it's helping a lot of us see we're running out of road. That's a good thing. Romans 8 18 to 21 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. If that's you this morning, if you're realizing that you're running out of road, if you're realizing that, that whatever you thought you had isn't going to work, I promise you that there is a joy, there is a peace, there is a freedom that is found in Christ. And you may be saying to yourselves, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. I've never been in a community. I've never, I've never been in a body to, to see what that looks like. And, and so I don't know my way. I can't see my way. Ephesians 2, 8, or Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 helps us in that. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that none can boast. I just want to ease that fear for you. It's not about anything you could do anyways. There's no place to get to. There's no, no certain thing you have to be. There's no mess that has to be cleaned up to come to Christ. There is a way. God has made a way in Christ where there should have never been a way in the first place. That's good news for us. That means that we don't have to be something. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to understand that it is a free gift. And that means that it's not up to us to determine our worthiness of that gift. When somebody gives you a gift, they're not waiting on you to figure out if you're, you're worthy to accept it. They give it freely, gladly. They want you to have it. And Christ has solved that. We just have to trust that the finished work of the cross is sufficient, and it is. We just need to place our faith in Jesus, believe and trust in Him. We're not worthy. We're never going to be worthy. We know our sin. We know our darkness. We can feel it. Just believe that He is worthy. And because God so loved us, He sent His only Son and made a way for us to begin that relationship with Him, to be in that right relationship with Him, and to experience the true joy that comes from a relationship with Him.
the love that comes from that relationship and then that overflows onto everything else around us. And because of that, every other relationship will begin to thrive. But we have to come to Him. We have to, to believe in our hearts and, and put our faith in Him that He is the way and the only way. And trust in the sufficiency of the cross. Trust in the blood of Christ. We just have to confess with our mouths that we believe that, that it's in our hearts and, and believe that, that God raised him from the dead and trust the proof of an empty tomb. There's so much opportunity in these times. And if you're sitting where you are right now and you know that today is a day that you want to give your life to Christ, that, that you want to receive that free gift, that you want to say, I surrender everything to Christ because trust me, you're never going to find him. He finds us. And that's the joy of it. There's no place you're going to go to get him. He comes to us. So if that's you this morning, we generally ask people to be bold and, and raise their hands in here and we celebrate with them. But if that's you this morning, just want you to put in the comments below that I know today is the day that I surrendered my life, my heart to Jesus. And I'm trusting in my Savior. And I'm going to lean into the promises of the cross. And I'm going to celebrate the empty tomb. If you would just put it in the comments, today I trusted Jesus. Then I promise you people are going to celebrate with you. You're going to see all kind of comments and likes. If that's you today, I just pray that you'll take that step of faith and trust in Christ. Because that changes everything for us. And we'll experience a love that casts out all fear. And so for the rest of us, I pray that this time is a time of love and good deeds. That we are waking up to our need for a deep relationship and authentic community more than ever. And I pray that this is a time of reconciliation. I pray that this is the groundwork for the revival of the church. That we can come in after this because this too will pass. And we can be the church that God has called us to be. And we can understand what he's called us into. And we can show the world our God and his love in the way that we love one another. So I'm going to pray for us. Father God, Lord, we just love you. We thank you for this time together today. Lord, I thank you for every family, wherever they are. I thank you for every person, wherever they are. I thank you for everyone who is, who is uh, either in their home, in a car, whenever they're tuning into this. Lord, I thank you that this moment, in this moment, it was made possible by you. That, that you have made a way for us when, when all the things seem bleak and everything is cloudy and we don't know which way to turn. There is always a way. We can trust in you. We can trust in the cross of Christ. We can trust when we hear those words, I love you and I will never forsake you. And so God, we want to be that. We want to be the church you've called us to be. We want to be in relationship with you in such a way that we are so overwhelmed by your love that it floods out onto everyone around us. God, let us be a church that just pushes into you, that clings to you, that holds on to your promises. Let us press into the name of Jesus. Let us press into one another and let us see him in our love and good deeds. God, we just thank you and praise you for everything in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.